Hey, what's going on? I'm Jeremy Lee, and you are listening to episode 15 of Reading the Play, the show where athletes share their story and experiences about life and sports. Additionally, we break down some key decisions they made so you can get a better understanding of their journey and where they are today. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can hear other great stories by athletes. You can also find them on sportcalgary.ca. And for more content, follow the Facebook page Reading the Play. To get the latest news, including new episodes dropping, follow on Instagram at Reading the Play or myself at Legacy. In this episode, we begin on the other side of the world once again, as we step into the world of New Zealand's Tyler Latuila. Growing up, Tyler did not have the smoothest experience, but playing sports kept him out of trouble. I'm still not sure whether he found volleyball or if volleyball found him. Either way, he discovered it was an outlet, which eventually led to his move to Canada and became a crucial part of the St. Trojans men's volleyball team. With his background, Tyler has some phenomenal insight on the game, and his experiences have given him a unique perspective both on and off the court. Well, it looks like Tyler's all warmed up on the hot seat. Let's get it. Tyler Latuila paying a visit to Story Island today. Excited to have you on the show. You're originally from New Zealand. Yeah. Whereabouts exactly? Um, I grew up in Auckland, New Zealand, um, but I was actually born in, a, in Australia, uh, a town called Wollongong, which is a bit of a tongue twister for people here. But uh, I, I was born in Wollongong, um, which is kind of a surf town. Uh, my mom was actually, she was 19 when she had me. So she met my dad. My dad is from an island called Tonga. It's in the South Pacific. Um, so Tonga is, is the most similar country you would, you would relate that to here is Hawaii, kind of. It's, it's all in the Polynesian islands. So yeah, my, my mom had me there. Um, my dad went back to, to Tonga for a bit. Grew up in Wollongong. Uh, it was just me and my mom for a bit. Then my mom had my two sisters. Uh, Keisha and Imani and she had the three of us I think she would have been 23 24 with three kids um, single mom so that was a uh, that was a crazy experience did you did you play sports at a young age with your sisters then yeah so my mom always she always made sure I was playing sports um, track and field was where we started and then she whatever was in season she put me in so so basketball soccer was my big one growing up Soccer's funny because I was always bigger than the other kids in my in my area. So um, I remember one time I was just going for the ball. I booted the ball. Um, the play stops maybe 10 seconds later. And I look back and this kid is just, he's on the ground, bawling his eyes out. His dad comes on the on the field swearing and stuff. And I'm like, wow, someone, what, who did this to this kid? And I didn't find out till after the game that I had... I had kicked the ball from under the kid and he f- did a front flip. So <laughs> so that was always yeah, soccer was my was my go-to and then uh didn't didn't start playing volleyball until until high school. So your first introduction to volleyball started when um that would have been when I moved to New Zealand. Um so so growing up with my mom, she had to work a lot and we were always at school, so a lot of stuff my mom did was behind the scenes and we never noticed. Um, and she was super young, right? She was 24 when, by the time I was starting school, um, which is crazy because I'm, I'm 24 now, right? And imagining having three kids is... You can't nuts. even imagine that. No, I can't at all. 
So um, she's very, she, my mom's a very strong person, but when it comes to her kids, she's very soft with us. Um, so I got away with a lot of things and I, I had uh, quite a bad temper growing up. And my mom being my mom, she let a lot of things go just because she loved us so much. So I got used to being angry as a kid and I would, I would get quite, quite mad at my mom over, over silly things. But you and knew you could get away with it. I, I knew I did, exactly. Um, when I got to the, about the age of nine, there was one instant I can't even remember why I was so mad, but I went and punched the wall, but I, I missed the wall and smashed the window. And I remember that being the moment where my mom was like, um, this is enough. And she, she called my dad who was living in New Zealand with my stepmom and my younger brother, uh, Sione. And she said, it's, it's your turn. Like I, I need you to take him because it was just too much for her. And one of the best things that's ever happened to me is, is moving in with my dad um, in New Zealand. Why is that? Just, I think it was important for me to have a male presence and also someone a bit more authoritative. My mom was super loving, super caring. And that's been life-changing for me as well because I've picked up that and I'm a very caring person, very affectionate person as well, but I had no discipline. So moving to New Zealand, I, I was introduced to my, to my dad who I actually didn't meet my dad until I was maybe five, five years old. Um, moved there to where I couldn't get away with the same things that I was getting away with in Australia and um, moved into a, a smaller house and a diff totally different culture. So my mom's a white Australian and my dad's Tongan, where Tongan culture is very religious, much more family oriented. So there's a high value put on, on family and doing things for each other. Whereas I've found and sort of more that that white culture has, is a bit more focused on yourself and how can you be successful yourself? Whereas in Tonga, in Tongan culture, if you get money, that money goes to your family. Or you, if you're making more money than say your, your siblings and your siblings aren't doing very well, that money goes to them. You send that back to your parents, back to Tonga. It's Tonga is a very, very poor country, um, very small island. So you come to New Zealand or anywhere else in the world, that money gets sent back or you, you share that money out. So big culture shock for me. And I was nine years old. But when you were living with your mom, you were living with two sisters, mm -hmm. essentially another two females. Yep. But now you're living with a half brother yep. as uh, another male presence mm -hmm. uh, in that house. So what was that dynamic like or what was that shift for you like? Yeah, that's a, that is a good question because, the, well, another thing is my, my mom, she actually, um, I can't remember how old I was, but she realized that she was, um, she was bisexual, which is another just toe side story. Um, so there was a point where it was my mom, her girlfriend and my two sisters, and I was the only male in the house. And that gives you even at that age of nine, it gives you sort of a territorial instinct. You're the kind of the man of the house, and which I wasn't. I was eight years old, seven, but... And running wild. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but So I moved to New Zealand, and uh, all of a sudden, there's my dad there and my little brother. And 
when I first moved, I didn't like my brother. I was, I think subconsciously was very jealous of the attention that he got. Whereas my mom gave me so much attention, especially because I was the only boy. And there's always a special bond between a mom and, and her son, right? So it was very different. And it took me years to settle into that household with my dad and my stepmom. And I was just, I was just a very angry kid. And I, I didn't value family as much as they did. And I kind of, as I got into the teenage years, I would lock myself in my room. I would sneak out at night, um, go hang out with friends. I, I really valued my friends, but my family, I, I just had this chip on my shoulder. I thought it was unfair that I had to move to New Zealand. And I thought, I thought it was unfair the way that we were living, a bunch of things that have really actually sculpted my life. But it all, it all happened for, for a reason, right? So. so then you really didn't start playing volleyball till you moved in with your dad and yeah. over there in um, New Zealand. The first time I touched a volleyball was uh, what we call it intermediate school, which is middle school. Um, or junior high school. In junior Canada, high, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I remember we just had these courts outside on the as a concrete part of the school. They put nets up. My teacher said he listed a name of kids that had to try out for the volleyball team. And my name wasn't on that list. I'll never forget, never forget that. So um, high school was the year after. Um, and the volleyball coach was just walking through our PE class in the gym, just grabbing guys that were, that were tall or above average height. And he said 7 a.m. practice on Monday. So I got up like I, I still to this day cannot get up early. I, it's just it's just so hard for me. You and me, brother. <laughs> yeah. So five, I got five a.m. is a rumor to me. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have the occasional six a.m. practice at state, but that's yeah, that's that's, that's hard. a struggle. It's a struggle. So I I showed up I think seven fifteen maybe. I got to the gym and I peeked in the window and I saw these big dudes dudes but much bigger than me um and they could play volleyball like they noticeably could play volleyball decently i looked and saw them and i turned around i uh, like i'm already late and then i'm walking to the gym where these guys are just unreal well to me they were unreal i turned back around and um another guy my age was he was late as well and i was like oh are you going into the into the gym he's like yeah i was like okay i'll, I'll walk in with you so I, I think if he didn't, he, if he wasn't late as well, I probably would have never joined the team because I was embarrassed to walk in. That fine line, hey? Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I think about that every now and then. But the funny thing is those guys were seniors. They were just there to help out with practice. So everyone else that was on the team has never played volleyball either. So um, that's where we started. And that was at, at Penrose High School in Auckland, New Zealand. And that, that part is, is where I say my hometown is. Um, even though I was born in Australia, that's where that's where the big chunk of my life, that's the most memorable part of my life. The formative started. years. Yeah, for sure. Did you find quickly that it was an easy way to channel your anger? Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really how volleyball has, has changed my life, I think. Um, I fell in love with volleyball originally just from the team aspect. I'd never been on a team before. So we, we had practice in the mornings before school started every day. We're all tired together. We're all learning this new sport together, which volleyball is really hard to learn. It's, 
it's not like basketball or soccer where you can kind of pick it up. You, you really need to be taught volleyball. And once you get past that, then you, you can become really good and it gets a little easier. But Why, why is that? Is it because it's like such a one-touch yeah. contact? And yeah, exactly. You don't really have any repetition per yeah, se. Yeah, exactly. So basketball, you can dribble the ball. Same with soccer. and But with volleyball, it's, it's one contact. And if you don't have that right, those technical cues, if you can't form a, your forearms together, that ball is just going to go flying or you're going to hit it on your thumb and it's going to really hurt, right? It's not a natural movement, whereas some of the other sports it is. Not that volleyball is any harder than them, but to start, it definitely is. As we're talking about how it's so hard to learn right off the bat, mm-hmm. did it click for you right away or was there a big, long, progressional development for you? Um, some things clicked. I think uh, I remember my footwork. I, I just knew that that footwork just came very naturally. But the arm swing, um, stuff with my hands, set, setting came quite quite easy, but swinging on the ball i played middle to start with which you don't really see middle's generally a taller taller player um and i would have been maybe six foot starting i can't remember but um it did slowly start to start to feel more natural um i don't remember if it was right away but i became obsessed with the sport quite fast i started watching things on youtube and just a lot more than my my teammates were i i just wanted to play all the time and when you're that age you have just so much energy and and you don't have knee problems or shoulder problems so i was just in the gym any chance i got um in new zealand we wear school uniforms so we wear like black dress shoes and with our uniform so you can't wear those in the gym so we would go in at lunch and just play in our socks or our bare feet which we're probably feeling the repercussions of now but we uh, we just loved it we oh, friday yeah. nights we would we would get our our coach um who was just a senior at the high school um who really made us fall in love with with the sport every friday he would um get the keys to the gym and we would just play volleyball for two three hours so we had the his senior team was, was a very good team and they went over to australia and, and won australia's school cup and their nationals basically and I think came second the, the following year and did quite well in New Zealand nationals so we really looked up to those guys it was funny we had each of us had one guy that we we pretended to be them so we would call each other and try and play like that person and try and make a mini me version of that team oh yeah so yeah we, we were just obsessed you do that with hockey over here too yeah oh, you I know do. yeah with so many Gretzky's and McDavid's yeah. being called out on the outdoor rink, yeah. right? Yeah. When did you start to settle into your outside hitting role or position, if you mm-hmm. will? Oh, well, I actually played middle all through high school. I didn't switch till my last year. And it's funny, I, it would sound really weird to people here, but in New Zealand, a lot of us will repeat our last year of high school to play our, our sport. So rugby players will repeat equivalent of grade 12 and play out this, our, their nationals or, or whatever. And I, so nationals was, uh, was the first term. It's in the first couple months of school. So I actually went back to school, um, played nationals, and then I just didn't go back after that. So that's how much we love our sport. It also shows the, the, how 
much there is for lack of development. We don't have a club system or anything like that. So high school volleyball is really for teenagers. A lot for a lot of us is that's the peak of competition. To the point where some of us went back to school just to play. Was it dependent on your grades or not even? Like nothing, you no, could, had nothing to do with grades. Like you could no. still get A's or B's, yeah. and you could still repeat that. If you want to go back to school, school they, they, yeah, you're allowed to. Huh. As long as you're within the age, um, I think if you're under 18, you can go back and play. The funny thing is, I, I didn't. I only had to submit one report in high school to pass grade 12. And I, I hated school. I did not like school. I was a very bright kid. Um, a lot of stuff at school came very easy to me. But I... I just, you could care less. I couldn't yeah. care less. I just wanted to play volleyball. And I remember saying in grade 12, um, I'm not going to submit this. Like I was, it was a one-page report. And I said, I'm not going to submit this. I'm just going to get a scholarship and play in the States. And I kind of did. So... <laughs> I don't know if I learned my lesson there, but it was very silly, very silly of me. And I, I, that report would have taken maybe half an hour, but just pure, pure stubbornness. I, I didn't, I didn't submit it. You talked about how high school was potentially the peak for a lot of volleyball players mm-hmm. where you went to high school. So where was your thinking at in terms of, you know, is this the end of the road for me? Or did you have other people open up other doors to you to play Uh, at the next level yeah so the thing with Penrose high school is it was a very rough school so volleyball for me and my teammates allowed us to stay out of trouble every week at my school there was a fight um or someone getting jumped or sometimes it would be school versus school so they would have maybe 20 30 guys come down from a, a a neighbor school to have a big scrap with guys from our school purely of it I don't even remember what it was about it was just about being tough and that sort of thing but the volleyball guys we always stayed out of that we always stayed out of that trouble I think that's a big part of why I enjoyed it so much that older team that I talked about earlier um, those guys were our role models and they they were never in trouble they were never into that sort of thing as well Um, one of the guys Sam Tuivai he he was always the guy everyone was talking about in the volleyball scene. Um, so after he was done um, at Penrose, he went. He was on the on the national team from a from a pretty young age and went over to Australia. played played professionally in China for for two years, um, and then got a scholarship to go to Brandon University uh, in Manitoba. And he, he had a very successful career there. Um, I think he was an All-Canadian and, and, and a bronze medalist at, at Nationals. So that, that opened my eyes to the opportunities that are overseas, um, playing professionally, playing college, playing in North America. Um, so I, I would have been maybe 14, 15, and I said that that's my dream is, is to play for New Zealand, go and play in North America, and kind of follow that that path so at that age you knew you had that dream did you know what steps you needed to take in order to get there I I didn't I was I just played I just played volleyball I watched uh, the older guys play there's a good men's league scene in New Zealand after high school I would watch those guys and and try to imitate them 
as I got into my last couple years at high school, um, the opportunity came up to try out for the junior national team or the youth national team, I guess you would call it. And I made the team. I made the team as a middle because I still wasn't playing out uh, left side yet. And that team had a had a trip to Australia. So I made the team that was, I remember getting the call. It was just after practice um, with my club team, a men's club team. And you must have been psyched, hey? I, I was what, 17, got the call and I, I freaked out. I, I was so happy. It was, a, it was the best thing anyone could have, could have told me at the time. I, I was just stoked. I thought it was this amazing opportunity. In hindsight, it's, it was, but our trip was to Australia and we went and played them. We played all the state teams at their nationals. And then from there, we, we drove, I think, 11 hours into Victoria to play a three-game three series with Australia. And they, they tore us up. <laughs> First two games, 3 nothing both times. And the, the, the difference in development and just purely volleyball IQ, if you even get past the athleticism, was head and shoulders above us. And these guys have gone through development and they actually are at a training facility. Whereas we got together maybe the week before for one training camp, not even, maybe. The third game though, we, we played them and I got to start through the middle because our other middle broke his thumb. And back then I was very naive and I thought I was the best. I thought I was better than everyone. It was a good attitude to have, but it was it kind of restricted me from learning. Um, so I go, I've gone back and watched the video of, of us playing, and it's it's pretty funny. Every time the the ball gets to the setter on the net, I'm jumping with the middle. So every time they set their outside, just one block out there. But when they set the middle, I did get the block. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm being, I'm doing the right. I'm doing thing. my job. <laughs> exactly. What are you talking about? Um, no, we went to five of them, and then we won the game. And still probably one of my favorite wins I've ever had was, was beating Australia just because they're the Aussies, right? And there's a bit of that rivalry between the two countries. And uh, Was it pretty heated? Yeah, it was. Uh, we were very, very loud, very confident. Um, the Aussies were very down on themselves. And we even talked to them later that night because we had never spoken to them. I guess the series is over now. You don't need to, you know, and... Uh, they were very down on themselves, and and rightfully so. They they shouldn't have lost that game, but it it was uh, yeah, that was awesome. So at this point, I finished high school, and I I got a job at a footwear store. It was my first job. Um, it's called the Athlete's Foot. It's a bit of a weird name, but <laughs> just a footwear store, uh, running shoes, um, lifestyle shoes, that sort of thing. Um, and I didn't want to go to university. I didn't, I hated school already. I, uh, I don't want to go back to school. I just want to play volleyball. And I made the national team again. And this time we were going to Asia, a place called Myanmar, which is just next to Thailand. Um, and that this still to this day, one of the best experiences of my life. So they had just opened the country up to foreigners. Um, before this, the country was closed. Uh, closed off um, some sort of dictatorship kind of political thing and we arrived there I remember getting on the bus and we had a a police bike in front of us and behind us 
and they were basically our escorts and I thought this is just to get us to the hotel. Um, this was every day, whether we we're just going out to lunch, going to practice that you can imagine the, the, uh, the traffic there is super congested and it's not like Thailand cause they're not allowed the sort of scooters They're they're illegal there for some reason. Hmm. So bumper to bumper traffic all day long for, for kilometers and they would radio ahead at intersections, stop all the cars just so we could go to dinner or go to practice. And at one point we were driving, the police car um, bike took us onto the opposite side of the road into oncoming traffic and was waving cars off just for us. So you can imagine, we felt like celebrities. And we were on our way to the facility and we're driving around this massive roundabout full of billboards. And I look up at one of the billboards and it says New Zealand versus Myanmar and has a big volleyball photo. So they, they basically had three billboards in the city of our upcoming games. Who are you, LeBron James? <laughs> I felt like it. <laughs> and the, the people are there so short that I felt that big as well. And so an amazing experience. And we got to this massive facility. It looked very Soviet. It was a huge, huge gym. Kind of eerie to play yeah, in there. Yeah, it was very weird. And our, our first game, we, uh, we walk into the gym and it's, to us, it's completely empty. We're walking through. Um, we all have our uniforms on and ready to start the game. As we walk out of the entrance to the to the court, I look back and there's about maybe 3,000 kids all in their school uniforms, dead quiet. And so they had taken them out of school to come and watch this, this game, right? And all I did was put my hand in the air and wave to the crowd. And I heard these 3,000 kids all start cheering. And it was... <laughs> It was wild. I, I thought like just one wave to them and they all started cheering and stuff. And, and throughout the week, as we played different teams, we played Indonesia, Thailand, um, Vietnam, I would get the crowd. I'll get all these kids um, chanting New Zealand. And it was, that's incredible. It was wild. And we, we, we won one game, but I mean, put that aside, just that experience was, was amazing. Do you think that celebrity lifestyle was a little distracting? No, I, uh, <laughs> You might have a point, yeah. I we also just th those guys just train more than us. I, I mean, again, yeah. that we didn't train together until the week before we left, and we didn't really play decent teams. I mean, one time we played a high school team, so I mean, we we just weren't prepared, and we're just guys that played volleyball in high school, and no one's taught us. The technical side or oh, everyone's learned volleyball through playing and in the grand scheme of things these southeast asian teams aren't very developed either in their in their style of play but in comparison to new zealand they were just again head and shoulders above us so we went through this two weeks of being celebrities i uh, flew back to new zealand and i went back to work the next day i remember being behind the counter at um at work and i I felt the walls just closing in on me. I have this visual of the walls side to side, full of shoes, just closing in. And I said, no, I, I need to move out of here. I, I need to leave New Zealand. So I called my mom the next day, said, mama, I want to come home. And she's like, okay. Um, we booked the flights and I left a few weeks later, moved to, moved to Sydney. So what was your plan once you moved back to Sydney? 
I had this idea that volleyball in Australia was um, on a different level. I knew about the AVL, the Australian Volleyball League, um, and I, I just figured Sydney's a big city. The volleyball's got to be better. I would say the the way volleyball is set up is better, but the quality is the same, if if even. Um, you could even argue it's it's better in Auckland. But I went over and the funny thing is I was looking for a job in West Sydney where we lived in it. Were you trying to find an athlete's foot? <laughs> so so I applied to all these retail. I wanted to stay in retail. I, I enjoyed talking to people and, and working in retail. And my stubbornness, I said, no, I'm not going to go to the athlete's foot. I walk in there. I just wanted to see if they had shoes in, in my size because back home we never did. I have a size 14 foot, so it's, it's really hard for me to find shoes. And I went in there and started talking to one of the ladies and she's asking me what I'm doing. I said, oh, I'm just looking for a job. She said, do you want one here? I was like, uh, sure. Uh, fast forward, like a year later, I'm, I'm managing that store. So I went from the athlete's foot in New Zealand, or I hated working there. I did not like working there at all. Yeah. To managing one of the stores in Sydney. So you eventually discover that maybe the highest level that you wanted to play in Australia happened to be the AVL. Mm -hmm. So how did that opportunity come about for you? So I, I got there and I knew about that. I knew they had the New South Wales, the new, new South Wales is a state in Australia. I knew they had a state team. Um, so under 21 and under 23 team. And cause I had played against them when I played for New Zealand. So that was the first thing I did. I tried out for the team and made it. And New South Wales is probably the least competitive state um, when it comes to volleyball and that scene. So again, similar similar story to playing for New Zealand. Um, yeah, yes, we did practice more, but still the development wasn't there and, and the technical side of volleyball wasn't there. So I still feel our, our volleyball IQ was just was not up to the standard that it should have been. When a player does this, we should move around this way. Or if they're set up like this, we need to take them out of this rotation sort of thing. So that was the difference there. Um, so I only did that for one year. Uh, it's quite expensive to play for one trip. I think it was a few grand just to go down the road, basically. I think the following year I tried out for the, the AVL team. And that team is... The team's called UTSSU. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's two two of the major universities in Sydney um, come together to make an AVL team. And the AVL is is the most competitive league in Australia. You at the time you would travel around Australia to play against different teams in different states. Uh, now it's a little different. They they have zones now, and you just kind of stay within your area. But. Mm. We would go and travel to Queensland, out to Perth, um, down to Adelaide. It, it was awesome. And that level of volleyball was actually really good. I, I would compare it to a lot of uh, U-sport teams. Um, would definitely be in that, in that level of play. But that was your dream though, right? Playing high-level volleyball and yeah. getting to see almost all corners of Australia. Mm -hmm. I love the travel part. I love the level of volleyball. The thing is, is I was still paying to play. And I think that's what really I felt like I'm not doing it yet because 
even if it maybe if it was free you know but we were still paying decent amount of money to go and play and i was still in australia i i wasn't i hadn't left the southern hemisphere and i knew the best volleyball is is in the northern hemisphere um so i I played that. I, I played the AVL for one season. I, I played on the state team for one season. Um, I played a lot of beach in the summer. That's right, I, yeah. I uh, would go down to Manly Beach in Sydney, and it would actually take me about two and a half hours to get there. And it's not that far, but I didn't have a car. So I would catch a train and then catch a ferry across to, to Manly Beach. And I would do that most weekends in the summer and, and during the week if I had time. Um, but you just love volleyball that much? Oh, though, I, right? I, it's, it wasn't a, it was no question for me going and, and taking that little trek because yeah, exactly. I, I love volleyball and I, I would have done anything to go and play some good volleyball that day. Did you love beach just as much as indoor? I, I loved beach. I think beach is a lot more fun than indoor. And I still think that. Um, you get more touches. There's only two of you. Um, it's in the sand and you're in the sun. It's just the, the beach volleyball scene is just, is just cool. It's very, it's the only time where I think volleyball is swaggy <laughs> indoors. It's not that, you know, it's not that swaggy like basketball, but, but beach is, you can have your own swag to beach. You can have your own style of playing. So I love that. Uh, I just never had the passion like I did for indoor. And indoor, you just rip on the ball. It's faster. You, you're more intense. There's more of you on the court. So I never had that sort of passion. Um, I still had this dream of, of coming to North America, but I, I just kept giving myself excuses. I kept saying, I'm, I kept checking rosters and would find guys. I would see, oh, okay, um, how tall are these outside hitters? So I'm just under 6'2". And generally on a good team, you, you want your outside hitters at least 6-4 is probably where it generally starts um, for, for competitive volleyball. So I would keep seeing these guys 6-4, 6-5, 6-6. I you know, I'm not, not tall enough for this school, so I'm just not even going to bother um, emailing them or contacting them. Hmm. To the point where I didn't actually even contact anyone. I just kept making excuses. So there was a point where I was... I said, I'm going to switch to beach. I was at the time managing the the store and I was making good money for a 20 year old. I was making maybe 50 grand a year, which for a 20 year old is, is a lot of money to me. And I was spending it on stupid stuff. wasn't really saving. So I said, I'm going to switch the beach. Uh, a buddy of mine in New Zealand, he took a year off. Um, he's a police officer. He took a year off and traveled South America. So I said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take a year off. Um, and so my, so my boss at the store asked me to, to buy into the store with him. So he asked me to become a business partner. And basically I would run the store, um, start getting, you know, start being a big boy. And I thought, oh, this is a fantastic opportunity. I've got to take it in my mind. So I said, yeah, I'm just going to take a year off travel South America, play some beach there, like maybe go to Brazil, play some beach, come back and run the store and I'll be set. And it wasn't until I, uh, I was speaking with a friend and I don't even know where the conversation went, but 
I started talking about, yeah, I used to have a dream of, of playing in North America and then playing college and going pro. And she said, well, why aren't you, why not? Why aren't you doing that? And that really planted the seed. She said, you're only young now. You can do this. The store's not going anywhere. We're actually closed down now, but <laughs> might there have been go. good. Yeah, good choice not to invest. But um, she said, "Well, you're only young, young now. Like, why wouldn't you?" Hmm. And that really planted the seed in my head. And I think maybe a month later, I messaged Sam, Sam Tuivai, and I said, "Hey, man, um, I think I want to come over to Canada and play. Are you able to talk to anyone for me?" Or he said, "Oh, man, why didn't you tell me earlier? Um, I'm going to this school and." Uh, um, I'm sure you could come to. So he had left Brandon and um, was going to a, another school in the ACAC. And I had no idea about the system. I had no idea um, how it worked here or anything. So the, the coach contacted me the next day. I had some videos up on YouTube of me playing uh, a few highlight videos. And I thought they weren't good enough. In my mind, I was like, there was this one game where I played really well. And I contacted everyone I knew to get this tape and no one had it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to send this stuff in. And I was super nervous about it. I didn't think it was good enough. I didn't think it reflected how I, how good of a player I was. Right away, the coach was um, super enthous enthusiastic to, to have me on board. And, and, you know, I didn't know it was this easy. He, he was talking to me about... Um, about playing and, and he said, you, you definitely got the, the talent to play in our league. And I started looking at international tuition fees and I was like, yeah, I can't do this. I messaged him. I said, Hey, are you go willing? Um, are you able to help me out a little? Cause I can't afford any of this at the time. International tuition was, was only double, uh, domestic, which is still pretty crazy to, to think of now it's, with state it's about three and a half times now if, if only you didn't blow your manager money away eh? exactly exactly what do you think is the dumbest thing you bought it wasn't buying things it was honestly in in sydney there's a big big drinking scene uh, um going out is very expensive um australians drink like no others uh whereas in new zealand we drink we drink alcohol together but we don't leave we, me and my friends would would just drink and talk for hours until until the sun came up. But we wouldn't really go out to the clubs that often. Yeah. In Sydney, you go out, you drink, and you gamble. So, um, and it's very normal there to, on your lunch break, just go down to the pub, put $20 in the poker machine and, and tap away. On and your lunch break, eh? On your lunch break, yeah. Very normal. And, and it's weird for me to say that, and that was normal for me too. I'll be on my way home and there's, there's a bar right next to my house and I would go in and chuck 20 tap away and and get nothing and that was just 20 bucks gone so that's where <laughs> that's where a lot of money went that's crazy um and yeah so not it wasn't the best best environment for me wanting to be a uh, an elite athlete um with a, a lot of the people I was around uh really enjoyed drinking eventually you got your international tuition stuff sorted out though right yeah so she, uh i asked him i i said hey i can't afford this are you able to help me out which he replied uh you would be getting a a full scholarship whatever classes i wanted and 
I remember, I remember this moment very vividly at, at the time I was also in talks with Sate. Uh, I had messaged my friend Lockie Pollock, who was playing at Mount Royal and he put me in contact with Sate. So I was in talks with them as well. But I remember when he emailed me and said, you would get a full scholarship. Uh, that was the defining moment where I knew no matter what I'm, I have an offer and I can take it if I want and I'm going to Canada. So it was pouring down rain in Sydney. I put a sweater on, put my running shoes on, and I just went for a run. I was so excited. I kept running until I, I went to the running park as a, sort of a trail, and I ran until I knew no one was around. And no one would have been around anyway, it was pouring down rain. But I got there and I just started yelling. <laughs> I was just so happy, kind of a Rocky Balboa moment, and I, I was just over the moon, like, I'm doing this, like, I'm, I am fulfilling my dream that I had when I was 15 years old and um, well at that point it's probably bigger than just volleyball too totally it represented your ticket out Mm -hmm. of that life that you wanted to leave exactly I was moving to another country I I love traveling I want to see the world and I still want to do that and this meant okay you're going to Canada like you're doing it and I kept running until I found some shelter and I, I called my best friend um, back home who was the setter on my team. I was like, man, I've, I got a scholarship to Canada and he was super happy for me as well. So yeah, it was awesome. I uh, kept talking with Sate and there was a, definitely a difference. Um, so I, I had uh, two other offers and, and an offer to Sate, all, all in the ACAC. And there was a big difference in talking to uh, Dan, who was the coach at the time, and the other two schools. What were the other two schools that you had offers from? So there was uh, Lakeland was the first school, and Sam was going there for his fifth year uh, to do firefighting. So I had an opportunity to go and play with Sam, um, which would have been awesome. And then was in talks with Sate, and then kind of in talks with Lethbridge as well, uh, and Nate. I was speaking to, but they had just filled up their international um, spaces. So uh, the, the big difference was in the emails and in the Skype conversations. Talking with, with Dan, he was very, very professional and had everything laid out quite well. Um, the kind of the defining moment was the coach at Lakeland said that I would have a, a starting spot with Sam. Whereas Dan told me, uh, we have a great bunch of guys. This is who they are. This is how tall they are. This is their position. No, nothing about me starting. And that, that was the main difference. I, I didn't want anything promised to me. And like, who, who knows how well I would have played when I came over. I might not be the same, same player, which I, I wasn't in my first year. Um, so that's when I, I spoke with my mom and looked at the programs and um, I, I didn't want to do school, but I wanted to do school to play volleyball. So we chose um, b- business was kind of the only thing that stood out for me at state. And I was already sort of in the business side of things with managing the store. And, and my boss at the time had me doing a lot of extra things that most managers wouldn't do. Um, stuff with ordering and, and stock and, and managing the team. So I, I chose that. But you passed up on the opportunity for that starting spot. That must not have been an easy decision. It, it wasn't. Um, 
I spoke to Lockie as well, who, who did play at Sait, and he had a teammate who had played at Lakeland, so he kind of gave me a perspective of both schools and, and what it was like, and that, that made my decision a lot easier. Um, it, I, it would have been awesome to play with Sam, for sure, and I think I could have learned a lot from him, but I, I made the right choice, for sure. I mean, Calgary is, is an awesome city. So, What was most important to you when you were making that decision, though? Was it the program was it the city was it culture was it um a mixture of you know the system and the coach and all that um it was development and it was the team environment Uh, school really didn't come into the question for me i would have taken anything just to play um now it's a little different now i'm i'm really into my school and and stuff now which is crazy Um, who are you exactly (laughs) Yeah, I'm not, not LeBron James anymore, but... Um, Just only in Myanmar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, only in Southeast Asia, I'm, I'm LeBron. But um, it was development. So what team will I go to that will make me the best player or uh, a better player? And have the chance to develop as well, Exactly, right? yeah. Okay. So yeah, that kind of made my mind up for me. And... I went in and, and told my boss. I didn't tell him I was speaking with any teams yet, and that kind of took him off guard. And he was he was a little upset, but then he um, took him a little while. But then he was very happy for me because he he knew that that was my dream. And the thing is, his business is his dream, so I understood where he was coming from as well. But I mean, we still talk every now and then on on Facebook too. So made the decision and. Uh, we booked our flights, and I came in uh, 2015. I was talking to Reagan Fathers, and he was telling me a story about how he got rejected coming into the country the first time mm-hmm. around. Did you have any similar snags, or was your transition pretty smooth? My transition was actually super smooth. Um, my visa came w- within five days. Um, I got in the airport. Um, they gave me my visa. Didn't really question me that much came right in and my, my coach picked me up. I have had problems with my visa since um, and it's been very stressful and that stress never stops. The way it works is you get your visa for the length of your program. But my first year I, I couldn't take business right away. I had to take academic upgrading. And okay. the reason why is because I didn't hand that report in. <laughs> it all comes back to so that report. It did, it did bite me on the butt for sure. But that's a one-year program, and then it took me a while to get into business, so I had to apply with a different program, and that stress keeps adding on. Every time the visa comes close to expiring, you have to redo it, and and your hand shakes as you press the button to pay and and to send it all in. Because if you forget something, they're not there to help you. They're here to process. They're there to process your application. If you miss something, that's your fault. So. My last visa that I, I put through, um, I was missing one document, one document that I didn't know I had to submit. So what normally had taken me five days, took me seven months for it to be approved. And it wasn't until five months in that they told me we need this document from the court. And uh, I kept calling them and and it's impossible to get through to immigration. It's it's very hard to talk to someone. And when you finally do, sometimes they're not that much help. So finally one person told me, okay, you need this document. 
and you need to send it into them. Otherwise they're going to go to the court and try and find it themselves. And that's going to take months. So I went out and got this thing and it was approved the next week, but that was seven months of stress. I went maybe four months without Alberta healthcare. Did you come over to Canada at the beginning of the summer where you had a few months to get acclimated to everything, including your team and all that? Or did you come right before school started and you just jumped right in? I jumped right in. I came, I gave myself two weeks to settle in. There was forest fires, I think in Montana that were blowing up through Calgary. So, um, when I got to Sate, I couldn't see, uh, I couldn't see the city from the soccer field, which is such a beautiful view. I, I expected Canada to, to be America because that's the only thing that we have to compare it to hmm. because, um, Canadians speak very similarly to us. The accents are almost the same. I, so I expected things to just be like the States, the way things work there, where it's Canada is actually a very weird combination of American, French and British, uh, influences. So everything here has English and a French label. And then you use centimeters for some things and then you use inches for other things. And yeah. We're confused. Pounds and it's, it's interesting, but I'm, I'm used to it now. It's weird to me talking about that stuff because I'm so used to it. Was that the biggest adjustment for you coming over though, culturally? Culturally, I remember, <laughs> culturally is the weirdest thing is country music was the weirdest thing for me. So I, I did study up a little bit in Calgary, mostly on the weather. That's the one thing that I was worried about the most. And my mom bought me all these long johns and thermal socks and thermal stuff and which I have never really used, but I did not expect that country cowboy culture whatsoever. And my, my first night in Calgary, um, a couple of the guys took me to Cowboys and, uh, it was student night and, uh, I get in there and it was just this crazy, they were doing some student, um, event. So it was sort of a quiz show kind of thing. And I was like, wow, this is, this is nuts. And then the music started playing and it was some country music. And I laughed. I thought it was a joke because every now and then DJs will play like a, a joke song to get people laughing. Sure. Yeah. So you and thought the, that was it? Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> Not I a kinda, joke, my I, friend. Yeah. I looked around and people were vibing to it. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is normal. And I asked the boys, they're like, yeah, listen to country here. So getting comfortable with your teammates, did that come easy for you then? The guys were uh, really welcoming. Uh, my look, look, my coach at the time was very good for that sort of thing, getting me um, accustomed to how it works, how everything works, showed me where everything was, um, made sure that any questions I had were answered. He was really good with that. Um, the volleyball side of things was, was hard for me. Um, I had come to Canada with a shoulder injury, just a very chronic shoulder problem uh, from playing middle for so long the thing with playing middle is it's quite a different arm swing to playing outside uh, swinging on the middle is pretty much all shoulder whereas um, playing on the left side you use a bit more of your body and a bit more torque I was in Sydney for maybe two months before I came to Canada um, but between the decision of coming and leaving and I had the 
the injury at the time and I didn't want to come here being rusty. So I kept playing. I kept playing through it. Uh, we, we don't have near as much volume. We were practicing playing two or three times a week. Um, where I came to Canada where we're practicing every day and you have Sundays off. Um, that was a big toll on my shoulder and mentally as well. In the ACAC, you're allowed three internationals and they should be your best players or close to it. So I, I knew that and I, I felt that pressure to play. So I kept playing through the shoulder, kept playing through the pain. Was that just a personal decision or did you even have discussions with your coach about it? Saying, hey, I understand my role and maybe your expectation mm -hmm. on me, but really my shoulder is hurting right now. What can we do here? He kind of left it up to me, but that was a personal choice. I didn't come here not to play. But it, it actually got to the point where after preseason, um, I, I didn't play the first week. So I, um, I didn't dress for our first game, which we drove all the way out to Briarcrest, which was another experience in itself. <laughs> playing in that gym in the hangar and I've heard some stories about yeah, that gym yeah so the the Briarcrest gym is I'm not very good with, with height but maybe twice the height of the antenna in volleyball so That's it is not a lot of room no so the actual actually the ceiling is is maybe a little lower than state but it has these massive beams that come down a couple meters um, so every time the ball hits the hits the ceiling the whole crowd yells out hang or because it, it used to be an airplane hangar. So it's a tiny gym. It's a small town. So the whole town shows up to, to watch the game. And it's just a crazy, crazy environment. Um, but I was injured, so I, I didn't get to play that game. And, and carrying on through the season, I, I kept battling the, the pain. And I think the whole, the reason why it was so bad is just my swing. I wasn't using anybody. I was just using my shoulder. And fixing that has saved my career. But if I didn't pick up on that, I don't know. I, I don't think I would still be playing. When did you recognize that? My coach actually picked up on it right away. Okay. But the thing with coaching is a lot of coaches use different cues. So giving the right words to your athlete for them to change something technically is really important. He was telling me how it should look, but I didn't know how it should feel. And it's funny, I didn't. It was explained to me by a teammate, um, John Isaacs. He's, he's mm -hmm. from the Bahamas. Bahamas? Yeah, Bahama John. And uh, he was explaining it to me like dancing, like Latino dancing. They use their shoulders a lot and they, they move and they use their hips. And he explained it to me that way. It should feel that way. And that, that changed everything. So I think over that break, I, I figured it out. The thing with the pain is when my shoulder was hurting, it was telling me you're doing it wrong. If I wasn't feeling that sharp, it, it, to put it, how it felt was someone had a knife and was just stabbing my shoulder every time I would hit the ball. It was a very, very sharp pain. That was intense, hey? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And if I got warm enough, it wouldn't hurt. But there were points where it, it was just too painful. So we, we didn't have the best season. Um, I, I, barely started I think I started maybe four games and a lot of the time it was because someone else was injured or um, he wanted to try something new so at that stage were there any thoughts of maybe regretting your decision that you made I never regretted going to say I just 
I regretted not being good enough. The the thing was as well as I, uh, I had something very personal going on back home that was threatening my college career. So, uh, there was something going back home in, in New Zealand and, um, it could have meant that I had to leave Canada forever and, and go back and, and live in New Zealand. So I was, I was dealing with that and that was very, very tough. Um, we also had a, one of our teammates was struggling with some mental health issues. Um, and I was very close to that as well. And on top of that, I wasn't playing good. So all these things added up and I was having a very tough time. The thing is, if you, if you're having trouble off the court it some, a lot of the time it does transition onto the court hmm. and yeah. volleyball has always been my happy place. It's always been the place where I go and play and I don't think about any other crap going on outside of the court. And it was getting to a point where that stuff would creep into my head. So all of these things were making it very hard for me to play well. And, uh, and my shoulder too, on top of all of that, my shoulder. So at the end of every season, we didn't have a great season. We lost first round of uh, provincials and got sent home early. So your development took a hit too then? For sure. Yeah. yeah. I didn't get any worse. I definitely got better. The, yeah. You play that much volleyball, you're not going to get worse. I did get better, just not as good as I thought I was going to be. And again, it's just battling all, the, all that adversity. Um, really the distractions. Yeah, a lot yeah. of distraction. Yeah, for sure. So it got to the end of the season and I remember having that conversation with the coach about, you know, I think I know what I have to do now. I'm going to have a breakout season next, next year. Um, like I'm going to be doing some big things. And I, and I believed it too. I wasn't just saying it. And he kind of said, yeah, well, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know if we're going to take you back. And he cut me from the team. So his, his words were, he's not going to go out and pursue any international players because again your internationals should be your stud and uh and i wasn't i wasn't a stud my first year so uh he signed trent mounter um but that wasn't my replacement that was just our other international and he only wanted to take two two internationals so basically i was fighting for my spot we had two tournaments after provincials um basically said this is your chance to prove you're good enough to come back next year which uh, interesting take on things but we played uh the first tournament no, no one played well and then we played smash for cash and uh, we actually had steven gubert as our coach <laughs> so because no it's not it's a pretty casual tournament right so, player coach yeah so he would just make the subs and 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 uh we actually did really well i played my heart out and i Actually, I went and got a um, cortisone shot in my shoulder for a couple of weeks before that because I really wanted to really wanted to give it my all. Played very well, played every game, and um, he sent me a long text after the tournament. We were with the boys and just explained that um, he, he was worried about my shoulder coming back next year, which was fair, and basically said, "Yeah, we uh, you can't really fake a shoulder injury, and if it it's looking good, so." I'm confident in you and, and, uh, invited me back to the team. And I was with a few of the boys and we all just started running around laughing and 
happy and, and excited because no one wanted no one wanted me to leave and I I'd spent eight months with the guys so they became my brothers right so I was uh relieved very relieved very relieved I mean I had something going on back home that was threatening me staying and then I decided no I'm gonna stay regardless and then I had another thing saying well maybe you don't even have a spot on the team so very very relieved uh, it felt yeah a lot of weight off my shoulders there. So you talked about with head coach Dad Gilbert that you wanted to have just a breakout second season. Mm-hmm. What were those steps that you needed to take in order to have that solidified? Sean took over that summer. So Sean McKay took over That's as head right. coach. There's a yeah. transition yeah. with the head so coach too. Yeah. My second year was uh, was with Sean and Sean came in as a as a super young coach but had gone through the Volleyball Canada system and, and gone through that new school way of, of coaching. And we didn't know who Sean was. He didn't know who we were. It was a very interesting start to the summer and to the season. Um, we didn't have much of a training camp. We started when school started. So a lot of the other teams had a head start on us. Um, but for me personally, I don't think I had that breakout season my second year. Uh, we had Trent come in, who phenomenal player and took a lot more volume of uh, with the ball. So I did my job. I found my job and, and I did it. And I did it well as a as a P2. I, I was taking a lot of the scrappier balls and, and the balls off the net. So that the second year, going into the second year, we didn't have that belief that we could win a provincial championship or a national championship. After the early exit from before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and Sate hadn't had a good track record since 2010 maybe so we didn't have that belief and it wasn't until we took red deer to five we didn't even win the game but we took them to five and we were like wow we took red deer to five which is really weird for me to say because obviously we went on to to win provincials but the following year but that kind of sunk in that okay this team is good enough to win something but that belief didn't really kick in until the end of the season. And I think by then it was too late. So Sean did a great job coaching and, and we really we really took a different perspective to to volleyball at State. We felt a lot more free on the court and he could relate to us very well because he's younger and he's played the game very recently. Yeah, he's pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. So we we lost the semis at provincials. Uh, I I thought that year that us Med Medhat and Red Deer were very equal in terms of skill, um, and it just came down to who showed up that day. And the three of us were all very uh, very close in the standings, and it just happened that we played Medhat in the semis, and we went to five as well and, and lost, and that was. That was it for for that season. From a mentality perspective, though, were you comfortable with accepting your role as P two and you know Trent maybe getting a lot of the volume? Yeah, um, I think we were we were doing well. So the outcome we were we were winning games, and Trent was doing his thing. So I don't think it really came into my mind. I think I accepted that role pretty early on because yeah, we we were winning. We were doing much better than the previous year so i was still figuring out my swing i think i figured it out pretty 
pretty early on in the season. And so that shoulder injury um, went away and there wasn't much going on back home. So mentally I felt a lot better and I think things just sort of came together a lot more and I, I realized how things should be in, in, during the season. Hmm. Whereas my first year I was really figuring things out and was sometimes really misguided. So second year didn't quite have that breakout as you were expecting, but now you move into your third year. Did you do anything different in the off season? My first summer I went back to Australia to work and that was a bad decision. I didn't have a great time, but the previous, so last summer before the third, my third season, I played volleyball, which is a main difference. I started started training with a group of guys at the Volley Dome, guys that were similar-minded. Um, one guy was coming off his pro season um, break and a couple other guys on their college breaks. So just guys that really loved volleyball. And there's not a lot of guys on my team or even in the ACAC that are obsessed with volleyball um, as much as other people. I think when you get into youth sport level, you have a lot of guys that are really obsessed with the game. But it, I trained around those guys and and uh, played at the Volley Dome, played a bit of beach, and went to uh, Jasper Volleyball Camp and Silver Lake Volleyball Camp and met some. I met some guys that are playing in the youth sport um, at different levels. Um, guys at Red Deer guys that I played against and stuff and that really gave me a different perspective on my opponents so I would play with this anger before my, my first two years I, I really played with this you know screw the other team I hate them I would never talk to them off the court I'm going to be angry and I'm, I'm going to take it out on the ball and I met these guys that I played against and the thing with volleyball players is that most volleyball players are really good guys and girls. So getting to know people, I've realized if you get to know someone, you're, you're probably going to like them. You're probably you're going to realize that they're a good person, especially on the volleyball scene. Something about volleyball players, that they're just really nice people when you get to know them. So that really changed my outlook. And going into my third year, where I didn't really have that mentality of, you know, screw the other team. It's just volleyball. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a game. It's let's put our testosterone away and just play the game. And what are you proving? Right? Exactly. Yeah. What are you exactly? What are you trying to prove here? Were you a trash talker though? No, I've never been a trash talker. <laughs> I've been, I'm, I try to be this staunch kind of tough guy. And I, I think I just look silly to be honest. I, I mean, sometimes it would work, but it gets to a point where you push it too far. Yeah. So you, it might work. I, I realized that it worked. It did work for the first two sets. I could be intense. I could be mad and, and be intimidating, but that only goes so far. So you, you push past the limit. So say maybe I'm at an eight out of 10, you get to a, maybe a nine out of 10 and you start realizing Oh, what if I make a mistake? I'm not going to look like a tough guy anymore. Or what if I get blocked? And that would throw me off my game. So towards the end of games, I would lose my cool and make more mistakes. And it ends up hurting your team more exactly. than it does. Yeah. yeah. 
So that summer, I really, I really took a different perspective, not only on volleyball, but just in life in general. Okay. I really believe if, if you get to know someone, you're, you're going to like them and you're going to realize that they're a good person. So, um, being at those camps as well, kind of reminded me that, um, not to get comfortable. So not being in my comfort zone. So do I want to keep playing at state for five years or do I want to go elsewhere? So when we started our third year, I kind of just had a different mentality on the game and preseason played pretty well. Um, was, was passing a little better. Um, passing was something I always struggled with, passing on my forearms. We had our home opener. I was really excited to start my first game because uh, our first game was against Olds and I didn't play that game. And then uh, our home game was the next night with the home opener. And I did start that game. We're warming up, I'm feeling really good. I'm, I'm pretty hyped to play. And the last serve of warm up, I throw up. Um, hit the ball and when I land a ball magically rolled onto the court <laughs> and uh, I landed on the ball so my right foot um, I heard a, a pop and I just thought I'd, I'd sprained my ankle and Trent kind of helped me up the the anthem started so we introduced the players and then the, the anthem started before the game and Sean took me off the the rotation obviously I was limping and I was like, oh, I want to play. I want to play, please. I, I remember tears coming to my eyes. I was so excited to, to play. And he's like, he's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not that important, man. Like go get this checked out. Could you move the foot at all? Yeah. I was limping pretty heavily though. Yeah. There's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a photo of, of us standing at the Anthem and I'm just standing on one foot and the other one's uh, kind of up, but. I limped over to the taping room and, and punched the whiteboard on the way in. And yeah, I just started crying. I couldn't stop crying. And I was really angry and upset. And our our trainer was in the room with me. <laughs> I remember him just being kind of scared. He, he didn't know what I was going to do. He didn't know if he was going to leave that room alive. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, I don't even notice that you're here right now. And, and he's like, just take your time. And uh, settled down a little and he took a look. And... Uh, yeah, I went to the hospital that night to get it checked out and they wanted me to get an x-ray and I didn't think it was broken, but I'd also never broken a bone before. So had never had any real acute injuries before. And that was a new experience for you? Yes, totally. I'd never sprained an ankle. Um, I never had ankle problems, but yeah, I got to the hospital. We uh, got the x-ray. I was there for three hours. Hospitals just, hospitals suck, but the yeah the doctor came out and she she was very casual about it she's like okay uh you've broken your foot and blah 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 she said that and everything else went quiet like i couldn't i was like what i said how long am i out she said maybe a month maybe two and it was just like holy crap like i actually broke my foot and i'm gonna miss the first half of the season it was the best way she could have told me because i was just kind of in shock and i walked out of the the hospital with a, a big boot on the right foot and uh yeah they they told me it's going to be a couple months before i could start playing again and it took me it took me a couple weeks before i could be in the gym for more than half an hour i would just go down to the gym and work out my upper body I obviously couldn't do anything else but and then i would come in for the end of practice and i just couldn't be around 
volleyball knowing that I couldn't play. So that took me, it took me a couple of weeks and for Sean and I spoke and he's like, yeah, I, I, I kind of need you at practice and I need your presence there and your voice there uh, more. And because I was one of the, we had, we actually had four captains last year. Um, we had a lot of older guys, a lot of um, veterans. So he, he knew I needed time to, to deal with things. And it took me a couple of weeks and the guys were really supportive and the guys were awesome. And, and then I sort of switched into kind of a coaching mentor role for the younger guys sitting out from practice and without having a choice you can take it either two ways you can you can kind of feel bad for yourself or you can look at okay what what role can i fill or what can i do for the team so that's that's the that's the path i went and i really took time just to step back and look at how the team works and how guys work with each other so okay this person reacts better with this kind of feedback positive feedback or this person plays better when you're more intense and you're yelling at them or this person does better when you barely talk to them and every now and then you give them some feedback that's one right yeah that's one (laughs) (laughs) so i look at the me breaking my foot and sitting out for two three months best thing that's happened in my career because i really took a step back and realized again you don't have to be that intense all the time you can you can calm down and say less and and these guys work better with each other this way and watching games and taking stats i took uh, when when sean would and our assistants so we we had jaron uh, Mueller and dallas sunius coaching assistant coaches so just an all-star coaching lineup right and I was able to sit with them on the bench and really pick their brains and see how they viewed the game. And and Dallas really has really slowed the game down in his mind. With everything in his playing career, he's has the ability to look at the game and just slow it down completely. And that only comes with experience. So I was able to pick his brain a little and Jaron's and, and see how Sean coaches. And, and Sean just coaches so well as a head coach. He... He delegates things. He oversees the the big picture, and that's really what a head coach needs to do: is, is see the big picture, and then you delegate your assistants to to work on smaller technical things with certain players. And once everything is is organized, then Sean can okay, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I find it fascinating that it seemed like you were still able to bond with your teammates in a way because you were observing how they responded. To communication, mm-hmm. whether with Dallas or Jaron or Sean or even you on mm-hmm. the bench, right? Yeah. So a lot of the time when things would get intense in a timeout, I would just grab one guy, tell him a joke, tell him a random joke, get him laughing, get him a little loose. Because I really realized sitting out that it's just it is just volleyball. The thing is, and it's I say that, and volleyball has been my entire life. But at the end of the day, it is just a game. And volleyball is, is so much more than just that game, right? With all these relationships and things and what you learn. But just getting the guys relaxed. Because externally, watching the game, you've made that serve 50 times, 100 times, 1,000 times at practice, right? 
so what changes it's a bit of pressure in those in those high pressure um, moments and sometimes you just need to joke around with the guy and, and make him realize yeah i i've put this serve in before i've done this before it's not what i should be focusing on i should be focusing on what happens next so that's really what i started to do just joking with guys trying to get them a bit more loose um, when they would come to the bench so you learned a lot sitting out but obviously you were still excited to get back onto the court and that happened for you kind of late december early january that sort of time frame there Mm -hmm. what was that transition like back to being a player and now integrating back into the team um it was it was difficult the first couple weeks and it wasn't the games it was practices um so my first passing practice back i kind of got into a drill really excited to um to play and then a player came to to switch with me and he made a comment which i took completely the wrong way and got really mad and i i kicked the ball at the ceiling i went back and tried to serve i I couldn't jump so i had to i ripped on a standing spin serve and got real heated and i don't really know where it came from i think i was just very excited to be back and then just the reality of me not being able to play the next day or just kind of me i think what it actually was is i i felt uh out of place the guys had been playing for half the season already without me and i tried to get back into a role that i had the previous year but guys weren't hadn't seen me in that role this season and when i was kind of taken out of that i got really mad um so sean spoke to me after that and and um i i shouldn't have done that but that really set me back set me back a little bit because again the younger guys that saw that um probably lost a little respect or i probably looked a little unapproachable so it it took me a while to get back into that role of okay now you're playing can you take what you've learned from sitting out and bring that into onto the court the the start of the second half i didn't have a starting position yet and i had to prove myself and opportunity came up in the in the first game where we were down to i think we were down to nothing against med hat and yeah sean put me in and i played it was one of the best games i had played that season just because I came in off of, I was out for that long, but I had no pressure. I felt no pressure. I, I was, at the time, my mindset was, this game doesn't really matter as much as we think. And at any point, you could just land on a ball and break your foot. So why not just go for it? That was my mentality. And coming up, whenever I've come off a break, even if it's two weeks, I've always played with that sort of, oh, there's no pressure here. Because I think just the grind of the season and practice every day, you don't get that mental break. And if athletes can find a way to harness that feeling, I think it's it's really key. I think it would be very effective. When did you feel like you started to earn the respect of your teammates, though? I think just playing well. Throughout the course of the For, second yeah, half of the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. and I, I calmed down a lot. I, I got my composure back. I realized... On the court, um, in between points, I would go up to guys and just joke joke with them, talk talk about something completely random, nothing to do with volleyball. 
and they would you would see them kind of just laugh and like oh, okay i don't need to be this crazy intense right now and it really worked it really that that's kind of the the role i took on the court um like i said we had four captains so we had a lot of leadership on the court and i didn't have to go to different guys and and make sure they're okay cuz they they've been playing long enough so that's that's what i did and it made me play better too cuz i was just kind of relaxed and and joking around and uh i think it really helped who were the four captains that year so it was me uh Trent Mounter Nathan Goss Alceta and Steven Gobert oh, Libero right. Steven yeah. right that's right so Steve was in his fifth year Nate was in his fourth and, and Trent was in his third like me so just uh a lot of leadership we we would actually meet every couple weeks um with Jaren and we would have a leadership meeting and just talk about how we could be better leaders and how different guys react to different things and i i got i took a lot out of those meetings and and Jaren's done a lot of leadership uh he's had a lot of leadership roles with us in this time at U of A and I learned a lot from from him and and talking with him as well. Well, and just thinking about it, those four yourself included, mm-hmm. really different styles of leadership too. Yes, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So um And it's really cool that you guys found what each specific leadership role was. Yeah. 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 So my role is a bit more vocal whereas Steve's a bit more of a quiet guy, so he was a bit more personal. He would go up to talk to guys personally. And uh Nate was Nate was a bit more intense. and then Trent really led by example. That's right. Um and 28 kills a game. Exactly. Yeah. So I I'm learning a lot from that. I this year one of my goals is to lead by example. And I was listening to your interview with Doc and he talks about that a lot, right? About leadership and I I realized last year that sometimes I would talk and I would get the feeling that guys would be like, "Shut up, Tyler." And it was because I wasn't doing what I was saying all the time. I would say these things, "Okay, we need to do this. We need to do this." But I was doing it most of the time, but not all the time. And the the second that you that you slip up, guys are going to be like, "Oh, you're not doing this, so I'm not." That's what people remember. Exactly. And consistency is king. Exactly. So you finally put this ankle injury behind you in the rearview mirror now, and you play most of the regular season in that second half, uh but again you suffer another injury second last game of the season yeah so it's funny that the foot was the second game of the season and then the finger was the second last game um we were playing lethbridge and lethbridge it was the start of the second set and we had just barely won the first set um they set their right side and i i go out to jump uh to to block and he hits line and it just clips my left pinky and almost all of my fingers have popped out before so i know the feeling the thing is you don't feel anything until you look down um it takes a while for the the pain to come in so the adrenaline look, and stuff right? yeah the yeah. oh yeah yeah so i look down and immediately i see my my pinky finger is in like five different places kind of zigzagging and uh i grab it and try and yank on it and i keep yanking on it and every other time i've popped out a finger i just yank on it and it pops back in but this time it wasn't and i just kept doing it so i pull my finger out to i kind of put my hand out to Sean and i'm like it's out and he's like oh, okay grabs a trainer and we we sub in uh 
or the left side. So he's kind of looking at it, it's starting to get real fat, slowly swelling up. And he calls over the, the senior trainer to come look at it. And I'm talking to them and I'm, I'm kind of in shock a little bit. Uh, maybe not that intense, but I, I'm a little freaked. I'm like, can you guys pop it back in? Can you guys, I keep asking them, can you pop it back in? And they wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> they just kept looking at the finger, trying to figure out what happened. I'm like, guys, can you pop it back in? And they're like, uh, you have to do it. We're not allowed to. So I'm yanking on it and she, I'm like, how do I do it? And she said, just, just bend it. So I bent it and then it kind of just snapped back into place. It's funny. The whole time the Lethbridge girls are chirping me. No way. <laughs> they didn't know. They didn't yeah. know it was broken. Right. So, and that's like that, whatever school we go to, our, our girls choke oh, more yeah. than anyone else. So, um, yeah, we got some ice and I'm like, okay, I, I want to get back in and I'm like, can you tape it up? So we, we tape it up. It was, it got really fat. Like it got fatter than my middle finger. And, uh, he's like, okay, well, if you want to go back in, we need a, we need to prepare you. So we tape it up pretty heavily and we get our, one of our bench players to just hit balls at my block. So I would put my hand up, my hands up and he would just nail balls into my, <laughs> he's like, is that okay? And I'm like, yep. Just pretending that I just wanted, I really wanted to get back in. So I, we called the head trainer and she said, if he wants to play, we're not going to stop him over a little pinky. So I go on the bench and tell Sean, like, I've been cleared. Can I get back in? And he says, mm, let me think about it. And we're losing at this point as well. And uh, we had already clinched first place. So the game actually didn't matter. It was meaningless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He says the next set, he's like, it's not worth it, man. Like, if this was, if this was provincials or something, it's not worth it, but let's get it checked out. And, uh, yeah, the next day we went, we went and got it checked out with the head trainer and she, uh, she did, we didn't say if it was broken or not. Um, we didn't know it was just way too swollen. We put this thermoplastic little cast around it and said, yeah, all we got to do is just relieve the pain. So take a lot of painkillers. And we ran in, we had a serve pass that morning. And the funny thing is, was setting and stuff didn't hurt the finger. It was bumping the ball the forearm passing because you have to hold I, I hold my left hand with my right hand oh, so you to have to bunch all your fingers together I remember almost crying I had tears in my eyes at practice because we just couldn't find the right balance of tape because if I taped it too much I couldn't pass if I taped it too little it would take a lot of impact but we found it and I played that night and it was the longest one of the longest games of the season the fifth set I think went to 23 21 or something like that you're like why couldn't it just go three yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and they kept hitting he kept hitting the ball in my hand i'm like oh man but uh we won the game the funny thing with that game is we actually uh broke the dig record for a, a game but we weren't getting digs it was just lethbridge was getting they played unreal defense and we kept getting the free ball back and I say they count the free ball as a dig so we had a hundred digs in the game and that was the new ACAC record. <laughs> so I feel pretty bad for those guys, but uh, crazy. Yeah. So I, I took the tape off and my finger was all beaten up and I remember shaking it. I could feel something rattling inside, which would I figure out was, was the bones. But uh, I didn't get the x-ray till Monday because I, I still didn't think it was broken. Was like, There's not a chance I've broken two bones in, in one season. Went to get the x-ray and, and uh, the, 
the guy came out pretty fast and he said, he's like, yeah, man, so your, your finger's broken. Um, it's basically, he, he used a bunch of big words, but said something's exploded. He used the word exploded and burst or something and shattered. Those are not adjectives you want to hear. No. <laughs> so then I said, well, I've got provincials next week and nationals two weeks after that. And I knew we were going to nationals. And uh, he's like, yeah, not, not a chance, man. Like, there's no way you got, got to look after that finger. Like, you might be a surgeon one day, you know, and I, my, I'm like, screw you, man. I'm not going to be a surgeon. I'm a volleyball player. I hate school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said, you, you got to go to the emergency room right now and, and they need to get a stabilizer in there. And so I was like, oh, I need to get a pin in there. And he said, no, just a stabilizer on the outside. Went to the ER and we again waited same same hospital foothills waited for three hours again and finally the uh, resident doctor came out and uh he took a while looking at the x-rays and he said the the fracture's gone into the joint so we need to get a pin in your finger and i've booked you for surgery tomorrow morning oh what what i said no i i have provincials next week he's like no no chance sorry man like you can't do it and then he's like, are you guys pretty good? And I'm like, well, we're first right now. He's like, yeah, sorry. And uh, so I left. He gave me a piece of paper. I was booked for surgery the next morning. I, uh, I left the hospital and told my friend to come pick me up. And as soon as I got in the car, I burst out crying. I just, I couldn't help it. I cried like a little baby. And um, everything just was hitting me. I, I'm not... This is our this is our chance to win provincials to win nationals, and I just couldn't stop crying. So I texted Sean and and uh, we we kind of joked about it a little because Sean's a pretty easygoing guy and, and that kind of kind of eased me up a little. And I told her my friend like let's go to Denny's and I ordered like fifty bucks worth of food and <laughs> I'm an emotional eater so yeah a lot of pancakes and 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 stuff so. And I went to the, see the trainers at State, and they, they should, I hadn't actually looked at the x-rays yet and she brought it up on the computer and the bone was shattered. You could see it in, in at least eight different places. The, the pinky was just shattered and you could see one bone sticking out and, uh, you were probably speechless at that point. No, I was, thought it was awesome. I thought it was <laughs> real cool. And, uh. She Remember said, that swag you thought that indoor volleyball was missing? Yeah, it's there. Maybe. Maybe. I just need to break more bones. But uh, yeah, she. I told her I'm, I'm booked for surgery and I, I'm not a doctor, right? I'm going to listen to whatever they tell me. And she said, well, let's get a second opinion for us from a sports doctor. This might not be the end of the season yet. Basically, we went and saw the, the surgeon the next day and talked to him instead. And he said you can play provincials. I don't think the bone's going to heal that fast, but nationals is two weeks after that. It might start healing. And if it starts healing and filling in, we can't get in there. It, it'll be too much. You got to let the, the bone heal. So I heard that and I'm like, yep, I'm good. I'm good to play provincials. And maybe I won't play nationals is what I said to him. And then I realized after there's no way if I make nationals, I'm not going to play. Like, but yeah, we, we figured out how to tape it up. Um, the, the, our, our student ATs, um, we had Adrian and Nathan, were just unreal with me the whole year because I was just such a Band-Aid. So they, uh, one of them would tape my ankle and then the other would tape my, my finger. And, and uh, 
yeah, I, I'm so grateful to those guys for, for giving me that much attention. So you guys were set up pretty good, though, despite you missing a lot of games for a deep playoff run, which you guys eventually win the gold medal uh, in the ACAC Provincials. What was the biggest thing that you took out from that run? The the season wrapped up, the regular season really wrapped up well. We all figured out how to play next to each other. And Trent, Steve, and I really figured out how to pass next to each other. And then the pass is everything in volleyball and sets up everything. So we went into provincials and our first game was easily the most nerve-wracking game. And it was against Concordia who it was their first time ever making provincials. And then the second game eased up a little. Um, we played Briarcrest and it was a team that we had played four times already. So I, I feel like we had them pretty figured out. Um, they run a system and I think we, we exploited it pretty well. So winning that game um, sealed us a ticket to nationals. And that was the big one for us. I remember just screaming. We got into the circle and we were all just screaming like we're going to nationals. And something that we hadn't even considered the previous season until very late. And then the final was just very relaxed. There was no nerves at all for the final. Really? We all felt very, very relaxed, yeah. And and we had the girls, a lot of the girls from the girls team came and they were outrageous. Their, their cheering and support was crazy. At one point, to the point where the security guards had to make a line where they couldn't pass. Um, they couldn't pass that line. And then the security, then the other security guard pushed that line back even further. Oh, they would want to be on the court if they could. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, we were down every set, every set in, in the final. And, and we came back and won. And, and I it remember... It speaks a lot to the team. Yeah, it does. And we really clutched it out. And we were very physical. Um, and I remember when we won, I everyone was screaming, jumping around. And if you if you watch the video, I'm just standing there, yeah. just kind of in awe and and just taking it all in. I couldn't couldn't really believe it. And uh, this is like on the bench, Tyler, just yeah, just taking in the big picture, kind of in shock that that we had just won provincials, and it was a crazy end to the game as well. So what did I take out of provincials? <laughs> I felt that our hard work just paid off. We all did our jobs. We all had jobs. We all figured out what our jobs were. We all did them, and then we won. And that was that's one of the best feelings I've ever had. And the week that followed, just I I was a champion for that week. Some people could argue it's it's just an ACAC championship, but that feeling was amazing, and I'll, I'll never forget how how good I felt. So heading into nationals, you guys go out to Victoria. <laughs> Mentally, were you guys in a good spot? I personally think we were too confident and we really weren't prepared for nationals. Nationals is just a different beast from provincials. It's Why a different animal. Well, for starters, provincials, you've already played these teams. You've played right. these teams the whole season and you have that edge on some teams. Um, whereas nationals, everyone thinks everyone thinks they're the best. Everyone has already proved that they're the first team or the second team in their province and Alberta's always been one of the strongest provinces and we kind of took that for granted and we did a lot of video on the Quebec team um, the Giants and they didn't play very well in their provincials Um, from what we scouted them they had 
very big holes in their system and certain players had a lot of weaknesses that could be exploited. And at Provincials, our first game was our easiest game. And we kind of thought, well, it's going to be the same thing at Nationals. And we did match up well with them. Those guys played unreal. They played the best defense they had played all season. Offensively, we, we couldn't stop them. And they did a f- few things that other teams hadn't done before. They were they were serving Trent, which we had we had always had either me or Steve or our other left side being served at, but never Trent because he was our best passer. Even that, just I remember the first serve went over to Trent and it kind of threw threw us off a little. And then they played this unreal defense and and were just swinging at balls and just really wanted to win. And I think it's a little bit of a a Quebec thing, you know, they, they that kind of chip on their shoulder. They they played really well and caught us off guard. I think we were a little overconfident going into nationals. Um, and we relied on our physicality the whole season. So we're more physical than every other team in the ACAC, I think. And at the end of the day, we could just push harder. Whereas a lot of the teams at nationals were a bit more technically sound, whereas we were just physical. So that really, really nipped us on the butt. Is it hard to make in-game adjustments for a game where they completely take you off guard and you're not prepared? It is hard. And when you're especially taken off guard and you haven't faced that particular situation before, you're like, what do we do? And I was still forcing. I remember the end of the game, I was still smiling because I was really pushing that that role that I'm going to make everyone loose and 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 more comfortable and I was joking around with guys and it just wasn't working. So emotionally I gave everything that game to to try and uh to try and get guys a bit more comfortable. Um to the point that at the end of the game, yeah, I was I was still smiling and I it was really weird. So come second day we we play uh VIU I think and emotionally I'm I'm done. I, I don't have anything else to give in, in that role. Uh, but physically, I, I gave everything that game. And we lost again, 3 nothing. And VAU, is, it's interesting. It was like we were playing against ourselves because the way that they play and their energy on the court and their um, very outside heavy like we were, it was weird. We were playing against ourselves, but uh, we didn't show up and they, they did. And... Yeah, after that game, I I broke down. I, we went back to the team room and I grabbed a chair and threw it across the room and I just couldn't stop crying. And it was weird because I know the younger guys had never seen me cry like that before, but I just could not, I could not stop crying and kept thinking um, I didn't get surgery. I, I skipped my surgery so I could come and play and and this was our chance to do it and all that stuff just really hit me. I mean, we, we finished up Nationals playing for the seventh place. And at the end of Nationals, I did learn a lot about just the grind of the season. And after we, we won our last game, I remember just sitting there um, on the bench. Uh, everyone else was grabbing their bags and I just took a big, deep breath and was like, it's over. Like The season is finally over. And I felt, I felt good. I felt really relieved. Um, and... A couple of the coaches came over and sat by me for for a few moments and like we chatted and just kind of laughed. 
Like it was finally over. Our our, our run was done. There's still a lot of positives. Oh, to take for away, sure, right? for sure. It was just it is right, and yeah. we won provincials. Yeah, but just not I the just, way you wanted to end it. No, though. I just can't get past that 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 national. What what happened at nationals just it haunts me, and I I thought I'd be over it by now, but I think it's just something that I'm never really gonna gonna get over. It's it's always gonna feel kind of crappy for me. Um, and it just kind of really drives me to get that ring this year. Final question I want to ask you, coming over as an international player, is there any advice that you could impart to others that are maybe wanting to take the same path as you? Um, if, if opportunities arise, you, you've got to take them. And you also have to, you have to remember that dream. So we athletes talk about this so much, like remember the dream or... Um, don't don't stop pursuing a dream but you you really do um, I would say for guys that are coming over um, over to Canada or to the states you really have to be open-minded you can't be stubborn about the way things are back home or there's a different style of volleyball and and uh, you really have to be open to to learn that and that's what I've taken from here is that whenever I whenever I meet someone in the volleyball um, community that's that's played at that level or even people that haven't i want to learn their perspective of things because there's volleyball in canada has is so different to everywhere else where you guys have it down to a science to the point where they're doing testing on different volleyballs the macasa versus the molten what effect does that have on concussions and uh i, I forget where it was but they doing testing and they have a serving machine, I think, at Volleyball Canada, and they're just shooting uh, volleyballs at a dummy's head and seeing what kind of effect that has. That's crazy to me. And, and the analytics that have been brought in and the statistics for volleyball that you see with stuff like basketball and baseball, it's really, it's really um, happening in Canada. And people don't realize it because they're just used to it. But um, the way that volleyball is looked at here, is, it's amazing. And you really have to you have to take that opportunity to learn as much as you can. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was awesome chatting with you and hearing those stories. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I could talk with you for hours. So. Thank you for listening to this episode of Reading the Play. For more content, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And you can also download other episodes at sportcalgary.ca. Check out the Facebook page Reading the Play, and to stay up to date on the latest RTP news, including new episodes, follow on Instagram at Reading the Play, and myself, Jeremy Lee at Legacy. I really hope there's a piece of Tyler's story that impacts, inspires, and ignites you to help you win your day. And as always, I'll catch you in the next episode.